Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Prince Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. What is up? I'm your host, Ellie Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talkhouse Podcast. This week, I'm joined from Chicago by... Josh Modell, Executive Editor. What's up, Elio? Hey, hey, man. We have a very cool show for you today, listeners. Legendary producer and the drummer for Garbage, Butch Vig, with Silver Sun Pickup's frontman, Brian O'Bear. Josh, you got a super early taste of the record these guys have been working on together. How did that come about? It's funny, I was at Vig's home studio in Silver Lake for a different Talkhouse piece. And before we got started talking about that, he said, I got to play you something that I'm working on right now. And it happened to be a track from Widow's Weeds, the newest Silver Sun Pickups record. And he was super psyched. Yeah, you can tell these guys have a lot of love for each other's work. Now, Josh, I'm not going to lie. It's very fucking cool that you were in Butch Vig's studio. This guy is an absolute legend. Yeah, it was super cool. I was a little intimidated, but... As a fellow Wisconsinite, I knew he would be very mellow and very cool, which he absolutely was. <laughs> did he offer you cheese curds? There were no cheese curds. He did have a plate of Johnsonville brats handy, though. No, that's not true. <laughs> well, of course, Butch has produced some of Rock's landmark records. Yeah, he's certainly best known for producing a little record called Nevermind by a band called Nirvana. Heard of it. But of course, before that, the reason Nirvana got turned on to him was that he did early Killdozer and Decreutzen records for Touch and Go. He was really well known for that. He, of course, did Gish, Siamese Dream, and Melancholy for Smashing Pumpkins. He did work with Sonic Youth and Against Me and Green Day. Even Depeche Mode. Even Depeche Mode. And then, of course, like triple, quadruple threat, he started Garbage in the early 90s, and that band has sold 17 million records. It's amazing. And they're still going strong. We actually had frontwoman Shirley Manson speaking with Tori Amos on the podcast when Garbage's 2016 record, Strange Little Birds, dropped. An excellent conversation that everyone should check out right away. <laughs> After this one. Of course. And there's some new music coming from them, I think. Yeah, they're working on a new record to be released in 2020. Well, let's give a listen to a track from Strange Little Birds. Here's the song, Empty. That band is awesome. That drummer is sick. Sounds like garbage, which in this case I mean as a high compliment. <laughs> now, Josh, I can see how Silver Sun pickups were probably pretty big fans of garbage. Definitely. And I think you can hear a Smashing Pumpkins influence as well, which I guess by extension is a Butch Vig influence. Totally. Now, Silver Sun Pickups is an indie outfit coming out of Los Angeles. Their debut record, Carnivus, did really well back in 2006. That was propelled by the fantastic single, Lazy Eye. Great song. Silver Sun Pickups is comprised of Brian O'Bear on lead vocals and guitar, Nicky Moninger on bass and backing vocals, Joe Lester plays keys and a bunch of other instruments, and Chris Guanlao plays drums. The band's newest release, as you mentioned, Josh, is Widow's Weeds. It's their fifth LP and just dropped earlier this year. Yeah, it feels great. It's got a little more strings. It's a little more kind of warm and confident and, and less oblique maybe than their past records. It's really good. 
From Widow's Weeds, let's check out the newest single, It Doesn't Matter Why. A great sound, and listeners, you're going to hear a lot about those strings in this conversation. You know, this whole talk really is a lot of shop talk. It's it's the guys getting into the nitty-gritty of writing, recording, arranging, doing press, and touring, what it's really like to be an active band member and producer. Yeah, I think it'll be super interesting for other musicians to listen to this one. Butch talks about garbage's process and how they deal with journalists, how they hype themselves up before shows, and how they work in the studio. It's really good stuff. I was surprised how comfortable he was pulling back the curtain on that. That it was so cool to hear. And and Brian gets into how this new record came together, shares his recording philosophies, lessons from the road. We even get some riffs on an acoustic guitar as he and Butch chat. Yeah, that's some exclusive audio <laughs> only on TalkHouse. We also hear about a German journalist being a bit too honest. Butch's psychic connection with his engineer, Billy Bush. Not that one Billy Bush, a different no, Billy Bush. thank God. Brian's reason for having lots of guests in the studio. And Butch gives advice on how to keep your band together for the long haul. And he knows. He knows. Check it out. Brian? Hi, Butch. How are you? What's, you're Butch Vig. This is Butch Vig, and you're listening to the Talk House <laughs> podcast. Oh, I'm glad. With some noodling in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian Over from Silverson Pickups. Do you know this thing right here, Butch? This it was one of my favorite moments on this record that we made. By the way, happy record release day. That's the end of Chameleons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy. Where it just but you can do the down thing, slide down. Yeah. So my favorite thing was expressing this to you guys, and everybody looking at me with all the serious, like I was playing the Disney Hall, <laughs> and I kept going, <laughs> and I think you were a little like okay, and then eventually. You know. Eventually you ran out of frets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You yeah. got you just you just came in you just, literally from a show last night. Be- Las right? Vegas. You were in Los how, Angeles. How many right so let me ask you this, how many new songs did you play? We, I know the record's not out mm, quite yet, but uh, that show we didn't we only played four. We have seven we can play now. Oh, cool. And we're, and we're going to rehearse again to get the other three. But since that was a radio show, it was a, sh- it was a smaller time and it's a radio show, so you sort of do a different thing. Yeah. The other shows, yeah. we were doing six. Oh, wow. Cool. And we had a seventh ready to go, but it was hard because our songs are long and um, there were some deep dives that we wanted to put back in. Yeah. And so we were trying to find, <laughs> as you probably know, in many a garbage show, I mean... You want to play songs that people know, and then you want to play some deeper cuts for some of, you know? Yep. And then you want to represent a lot of the new stuff, too. So the, yeah, just finding that yeah. balance was interesting. Yeah, so we, yeah. we kind of dipped into the records and did a little deep cut onto some songs that we missed playing haven't cool. heard in a while. And then we played six. You want to know what those six? I do, I mean, yeah, because I haven't seen Widow's Weeds was the seventh, but we didn't get around to it. But we played it at an acoustic charity thing. Yeah. Cool. How'd they sound? 
They're getting yeah, there, I mean, Butch. Yeah, well, no, I'm just because they're new. They're brand new songs, and yeah. as you know, when you're in the studio, yeah. you have an approach, and then when you go out live, the songs mm-hmm. take on a completely different life. It's a different mechanical me- thing, and for us, it's almost like the output feels the same, but how we get to that is the thing that we're trying to conquer. You know? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. I'm feeling some of the songs are starting to sit in, they're, they're starting to feel like they're just coming out. Some of them are starting to, like Nikki and I have played acoustic now for a while with these songs. And so the first couple of, um, and as you know, right, live is how you really do it. You can rehearse all day long, but start playing those shows and that'll, <laughs> that'll get the cobwebs. <laughs> and then you finish the tour and you... Can play about, better. Damn, we should have done this in the studio because <laughs> now we figured out how to really play the song. We, we're, we do that all the time in garbage. Yeah. It's, you know, we write in the studio much like mm-hmm. you did this record. And, yeah. And uh, like I said, the songs take on a, a new life, and then mm-hmm. you have to sort of just make your peace with it because mm-hmm. ah, if we only had done change, the bridge could have been better. What we're doing live is better now. I like what you're proposing, and I think this is an interesting <laughs> idea. Do you think go back and re-record and remix sections of the record, or should the band, the duality of a band's life, be perform a bunch of songs for two years and then release the record? As that, and then move on to new songs, and then you tour them. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like a yeah. stand-up comic? Yeah, yeah. You know? I, you know, I talked to someone last year who wanted to make a record. What's his name? What was I can't, name? I shouldn't say who it is because they still might do with. it. Um, <laughs> Shmadio Bed. Yeah, uh, uh, and rehearse for two months and then play a show and that would be the album. You would stream oh. it live. Oh. And recorded and put it out instantly. So oh, wow, that's so. So that's it. All the flaws, all the mistakes. I like you that. Know? Yeah, no, and that would be the first performance too. You wouldn't do mm-hmm. like ten warm up shows. So that'd be a lot mm. of pressure, you know. We definitely, yeah, that would be a lot of pressure. I, I understand that whole live is live thing. Like we, do you guys garbage ever? Do you, when you do television and things like that, do you go when they offer you to go and listen and check it out? We we don't. I don't want to hear it either. Ever. No, Ever. no, because do, do never. You get, I get hypercritical. Yeah, I'm never gonna be like satisfied. So I just go, well, whatever happened, happened. Yeah, <laughs> and I, then you I, move on. I did early on, like some of the TV shows, and I basically mm-hmm. go in and go turn the guitars up five dB. Yeah, because they should all, listen to you. Because it was snare drum and vo- Shirley's vocal, yeah. and like the music, you can barely hear it. I could yeah. just bring all the music up. About five dB, and it'll sound closer to what we sound like live. Yeah, I, I mean, for you, I can imagine that being like, oh man, this doesn't sound because you have that sound ear of yours. Yeah, but I, but they, we'd be in Germany someplace, and we'd do a TV mm-hmm. show. They go, oh, Mister Vig, you want to come back and listen? I go, not really. Yeah, um, no. and they were all like waiting for me to say <laughs> some sort of thing, you know. So I, profound uh, Vigism. I, I did that two or three times, maybe uh, actually quite a bit, I guess, on the very first tour we did. But then I stopped doing it because, yeah, it's no fun. No, you know? okay. How much time do you have? You want really want to mm-hmm. get into this? And yeah, Nikki and I do a lot of promo and radio stuff, and they always go, "Oh, you want to hear it back?" They'll play it. We're like, "No, we we lived it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's it happened, and like warts and all." And I I believe in that because there is something to me a, a too too well oiled machine and. I that doesn't move the needle for me. <clears throat> now, I, you know, luckily, I don't think we could even possibly be one just because of the nature of how <laughs> we operate as a band. But I, I do think those little things, I don't know, just let you know that 
this is human and yeah, yeah. and um, I don't know. I don't mind those little screw-ups. Well, you know, we've talked about this because I played shows with Garbage where mm-hmm. I thought I played perfect. Shirley sang perfect. You know, there's not such a thing as perfect, but really close. Yeah. Like, we played as good as we can play. Right. And I see my friends who go, you were boring to <laughs> They said that? And then we have shows where we're train wrecks, where <laughs> wow. we just, devo- you know, Loved we'll, we'll start it. a song and F it up and start it over. <clears throat> sure, you know, Shirley goes off on tangents. Duke completely plays a guitar solo in the wrong key. You know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, just stuff that, that happens. Um, yeah. And then people go, you guys were amazing. So when we have a bad show, people think it's good, and it's the opposite. When we have a great show, people think we're boring. Yeah, that happened early on and um, when we were just playing clubs in Los Angeles, and it was, we'd walk off going, hmm. And people would go, wow, so I'm in the air tonight, man. You guys are really good. <laughs> and we can always tell when we were just like not, it wasn't our best and we felt good and everyone just, you know, kind of quiet. You know, like, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you were up there. <laughs> have you ever heard, what was the worst? What's the worst thing someone said to you, or what, what? What peeves you that you can kind of tell is just like a like a compliment, like like hey, you're having, you guys look like you're having fun up there. That's the one that gets me. Oh, what a, I think I may have told you. Know you this also, when we were in the studio, my the very first time we went to uh, Europe and garbage to do press, mm-hmm. we sat in this room in the in the. It was the very first interview, and this guy sat down. It was in Germany somewhere, uh, or no, it was in Amsterdam. I can't. It might have been a German interviewer uh, or a Dutch interviewer. I can't remember exactly, but he just sat down and said, "You do yourself no favors with your cheap drum sounds." <laughs> and we all just sort of stood there, and, and we're sitting there in a hotel room, you know, and, and realized it's eleven o'clock in the morning. We're going to do this until five p.m. And then. He looked at Shirley and said, "You are sexy. I see nothing special." Oh my god! And, and I'm sorry if I'm if I'm. Am that's I, a spot on German. I don't have a very good. My, that's not PC in my accent there. But <laughs> I, I, so you're just we doing a general kind of James Bond. The four of us looked at our uh, PR person and said, "Go get a bottle of champagne and Bloody Marys right now." And uh, <laughs> and, and then it, it got better after that for the rest oh, of the man. day. But someone just recently came up to us at these. Shows we were just doing, you know, we were really trying to get our sea legs on and shake the cobwebs up. And someone was like, yeah, that was, that, was, that was neat. And it was a full-on, and I just had to say it. I said, that is that is a straight-up Kevin Costner Madonna move that, <laughs> that you know, then yeah. got even more known from uh, Kurt and, yeah. and um, Kim Gordon referencing that in the year the punk broke. And they went, yeah, your show was neat. And I went, yeah. that happened. <laughs> neat. <laughs> Need is like saying, yeah, the show was your show was nice. It, it was. A, I never ask anybody though. It was I, a nice show. I don't go around going, how, how, how was it? How was it? I just kind of like it. it it's a, we people trip out on us a lot because I can have a conversation. You probably saw this in the studio too because we had a lot of friends this time over watch, when we're making widows weeds. I can have a conversation with somebody and go, hold on, and then we go and play, and then I come off. And then it takes me a minute, and then we go, okay, so anyway, that. <laughs> <laughs> and you go right back in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. we don't have yeah. any, like, routines, and I feel like we need to get one. I don't know how, to, I don't know what they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have any? Uh, Does garbage mm, have any? Uh, not really. I mean, we're, we, you know, years ago uh, on tour, we saw, I think it was either Bon Jovi or Journey, and they're all hugging and high five and sort of doing this group hug thing. Mm-hmm. So we sort of 
take the piss out of ourselves a little bit with that. We we all high five, but we miss each other. That's before we go. Oh, Let's yeah. rock, and we and we deliberately miss. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, we're not. You know, we're Shirley not, never misses. No, she doesn't. And we're not really big on group hugs. But I'll tell you one Aww, thing. We, really? As a band, we, uh, you know, we're, one of the reasons we're here after twenty years is we do communicate, and as yeah. hard as that can be, you know, and uh, for sure. And we, you know, a band that eats together mm-hmm. stays together. Yeah. You eat lunch, you have dinner, you hang out. Yeah. You know, as soon as nobody likes hanging out with anybody, that's the that, then the band's going. Which I have quick. seen that at um, festivals and stuff with brand new bands. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Like, oh, good luck, everybody. You should, yeah. Or they'll talk to you about somebody else in the band, and you're like, you should just talk to them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they all—you can tell they can't. They're, they're already. They can't wait to get away. Well, so. every—I mean, I guess every band operates differently. So, like, they're more business-minded. They're, you know, this is the music they. I mean, they make together, and they, as long as that show works for them, you yeah, know, yeah. Sometimes that tension might happen. I'll tell you, um, <clears throat> one thing that's sort of come up when we've been doing interviews about. You know, a lot of things like what did Butch bring to the table and was you know perspective and things like that. And Christopher brought this up, and it didn't even occur to me till after the fact that during the making of this record, in the middle of it, Garbage was doing a whole tour. You were in Garbage Land, so we did two halves of it. And Christopher said he really felt it was amazing to be produced by somebody that was really coming from a band perspective. And it I never thought, like, how, we learned a lot how Garbage really is a full-blown band with democracy, of, you know, and you play drums in Garbage and yeah, things like yeah. that. And I didn't think of that before. Does that make sense to you? That's you know, how he I, yeah, felt. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... Uh, you know, I, I you know this. I wear two hats. I'm in a band, mm-hmm. and I've been in bands my whole life. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also um, a music producer. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's good. They both are good. Being a producer, and working with other bands is good for garbage, and being in garbage is good when I work with other bands. Mm. But they're two radically different things. Right. You know, when I'm working in garbage, it's my music, our band's music. And totally. When I work with you or anybody else, I have to. It's your music, mm-hmm. and I have to completely switch my brain and make decisions based on what you're doing. So in a way, when we did Widow's Weeds, I felt it um, a nice breath of fresh air to, we worked on four songs Mm -hmm. and we recorded them and did rough mixes. And then the first half, yeah, the first half. And then I went on tour and we did uh, the version 2.0 20th anniversary. So it was more work because we played the whole record in 10 B-sides that we'd yeah. never played before. 10 B-sides? 10 B-sides, yeah. So, Whoa, that's Yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't like we'll rehearse for three days and go and play Greatest Hits. It was a no. lot of work. In the, but the tour was fun. It was like we all yeah. had to really think and concentrate. And mm-hmm. it was a one-of-a-kind tour. We're not going to do that tour again. So, And then I immediately came out of that and went right back in the studio with Silver Sun Pickups. Yeah. And, and it felt great. How do you find that? Do you, can you switch those hats? I can switch them instantly, and uh, it feels good. Like I said, because I have a complete different perspective. Yeah. You know, you know, when you listen to music, like I'd be obsessing over. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter why, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd be playing it over and over. Oh, maybe that, yeah. oh, like that snare drum, the top end, or <laughs> make Brian's vocal a little drier <laughs> in the verse, or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, you go cold turkey. My yeah. brain is in complete different absolutely zone. And then all of a sudden, I come back and I'm back in and. Uh, so I found that refreshing, and I, and I, yeah, in some ways I think it helped us um, 
having that time away that to me the second half of the record went quicker we just sort of yeah. i think we sort of kind of knew what we did on the first four tracks so the second half of the record felt like what i when i usually talk about always desiring to work with someone again like making a second record with someone because a lot of the the uh, ice has been broken a lot of the communication gets quicker and quicker and quicker and by the second the, the second part of making this record that was happening. Yeah, yeah. Plus we had four songs that now were fully realized and we knew that anything now had to hit those. Yeah, go, yeah. go beyond them, but they had to really match into these four monsters really that we had. And, and that was really exciting to do. Yeah, for me, mm. I knew, you know... Was, have you done that before, taking a break between... I don't know if I have. I mean, I've worked on some records that were spread out of, over time, but usually the band, you know, we, it's usually we're still working on it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you go in the studio and then maybe you take a week or two off and then you go back in the studio. Mm -hmm. But that's the first time for me where I've had a, a major, like, head, a U-turn, you know, where my mm -hmm. head had to get into a different space. <laughs> totally. Like, yeah. It's pretty cool. It, like, it, it, yeah, you know, and, and talking about the template... I'm curious what you thought of the approach we took because we, I don't know if anybody knows this out here yet, but, you know, usually when you go in and record a rock band, you track them live and you, you're basically trying to keep the drums. You know, you record the bass and the guitars and keys and the vocal. And maybe if you're lucky, you can keep all of those. I know some people like to do that. But we, typically, I'm just trying to make sure the drums sound good and the performances are good. Mm -hmm. Then everybody goes back and plays on top of that. But after we did demos here at my mm -hmm. home studio, um, I felt like your rhythm guitar playing led the feel of the songs. Mm. And so what we did uh, is, uh, for you listeners out there, we recorded each song with Brian starting on acoustic guitar. Yeah, which and, is new for me. And, and acoustic we had, was. We had the demos, we sort of had templates with some, mm -hmm. uh, Chris did some beats and mm -hmm. Nikki, there were scratch bass and Joy keys and stuff. And, so we had De it, like designed to be loose. Like yeah, movable. it was designed to be loose. The, the demos were very loose and very abstract. Yeah, but we had a, a pretty good template. So then you tracked the acoustic guitar and then electric guitars, yeah. and uh, even some of the lead guitars. And then Nikki would do the bass, and Joe would do some keys. And I think we even did some vocals before mm -hmm. Chris, Chris finally. We went to another studio. Went to uh, East West in mm -hmm. Hollywood, which is an amazing studio. And then we would track the drums. Amazing studio. And the two guys who did and the two, those and the string amazing players, yeah. string players. Those Gashley uh, uh, yeah. Crumb Tinies, those guys, those are amazing. Yeah, they're good, man. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, I loved it. Matt, Matt and Paul, Matt yeah, and we're Paul. giving you guys a shout-out because the strings are incredible on the record. They are. They're so good. And But Chris told me he liked playing drums to a finished guitar performance uh, yeah. like you're playing you know all the rhythms you know you guys are a very uh, a band that does a lot of syncopation and, and subtle rhythm things oh. and that's part of your sound yeah and he and chris does that on the drums and i realize he follows a lot of what you're doing on the guitar yeah. as, as does nikki you know they're mm -hmm. you're for better for worse you know you're they're sort of following your your yeah. playing and uh sorry everyone no it's a strength <laughs> no, it's, it, yeah. it's a strength it's one of the things that for me as a producer i realized that defines you guys as a band well you think in movements like i think we don't think in chords really as you remember we didn't know. one of my favorite things is we kept renaming things and so i think at one point you said well why don't we add the part that was 
once the chorus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> formerly known as the bridge. Yeah, well, yeah. Billy Bush and I were like, oh, this is the pre-chorus. This is the chorus of the chorus. This uh, is the... The chorus of the chorus. <laughs> the chorus of the chorus, yeah, because we... I uh, wasn't quite sure, you know, it wasn't like part A, part B, part C. And, well, uh, what was cool about that is you kind of stumbled into our psyche, right? So Widow's Weeds in particular, that song, which you wanted me to put on the record because we were working on something else in this room and I had this guitar and I was just going, some some thing I had for a while. And yeah. you pretty much like the studio style were like, hey, what is that? And I said, oh, it's just a thing I have. I never really knew what to do with it. And... You basically told me, well, you had to put it on an album, so go do something with it. Yeah, and, yeah, and and it seemed so natural to me that song coming out that that I had to fight the notion that it had any worth. Because I, what I sort of struggle with sometimes is if it's not, it's like some songs do come out really easily, and I have to know that they're just as worth something than the ones that are harder. Does that yeah, make yeah, sense? yeah, totally. So I just thought there yeah. was really nothing there. But what the psyche is, like when you just hear the song, it sounds like, yeah, this makes sense. And then when we have to break it down, <laughs> things get confusing. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, what's this? Like, that's the pre, that's <laughs> that's the pre- the chorus, chorus of, the, of <laughs> the chorus of the chorus, yeah. <laughs> and when we were getting deep uh, into it, like when you saw the mathematics, I were like, what? And then you just went, Bo, your daughter, was like, oh, she thinks that song's pretty. And I remember thinking, there you go. That's all we yeah, need to know. All, yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely riff. That's all you need to know. The first couple of records we made, we did the uh, way of, um, you know, we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed, and we went into a studio and recorded. And the last couple with Jackknife, we didn't want to do that, but didn't know how to not do that. We have to come in, I have to come in with a structure of a song that has changes and has things and because of the way the guitar will move it will pretty much delineate the parameters of where things are gonna go yeah yeah you know like you can't just play anything over it um <clears throat> but in that not be locked in very much and and be able to explore through the studio and we previously did that with a jackknife and that's how we sort of learned to do that to just not be live at all and then it prepared us for coming in here and it, it was a mixture of the two. And I think Christopher being at the end, it was so lovely f for him because I think a lot of the times he, he remembers just being like, okay, get in there and then see you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it made the drums more musical. So when we were building the songs, the drum shape was already worked on in pre-production, but it was more liquid than solid. And I think... It, it made that part, the rhythm part, Christopher's part in the band, much more involved because it could move and he could be there and he could alter things as it went on and write things and it just, you know what I mean? Yeah. All the way yeah. till sort of the end, which made a lot of sense. So like the certain parameters would happen, but as things went on, we could, we weren't locked into it. And, yeah, yeah. And so it got into his brain and and, you know, Christopher's like, you put it in a system, and he'll take a, a minute to shake his shoulders. But once he gets in there, he'll he'll do it. So, like having more time to be with it. I don't know. I think that's really wonderful. Yeah, you know, I it's, this goes back to what we said about when you play a song live, and then you want to change what was on the studio album because we in garbage we always make. We're a studio band. We write in the studio, mm -hmm. and 
I, it would be great. I've never done this. So I should do a garbage track where we completely record the whole song, and then I do the drums at the very end. Oh, yeah, you know? because then I know that. what I know what Shirley's. But I'm going to on the next record. Yeah, do it, it, makes, do it. it makes sense now. I know what she's singing. I know her phrasing. I know emotionally what she's going for lyrically. Because you can mess, you know, like do these little, little taps on the machine or all the, and get get creative with drum sounds. Like I always think it's fun to like not think about your limbs, and think what comes out of you drum-wise without having to think about how to actually do it. Yeah, and, yeah. And create something. And then pull it into the realm of the real. But then when you're doing it, I can I can imagine playing to song in your headphones would be so different. Even in a performance would be so different than just playing to a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a bass. Or like, even when we track things live and stuff like that, you know, you didn't hear things wonderful in the headphones, so it was like... Christopher used to just sort of track to scratchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, you know, the only, just thinking about it, the only time I've done something close to that was on um, uh, Strange Little Birds, the song Empty. Mm-hmm. We tracked that to a tempo, I don't remember what it was, like 115 or 120, whatever the tempo was. And, and we recorded the guitar, surely did the vocals. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it had much feel swing wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we had been working at at the studio where we worked at with you guys, Red Razor, Billy Bush's studio in great Atwater. Place, great place. And we came back from a day, and Duke and I were here, and I said, let's just play empty. Mm-hmm. So I had my drum set up, my DW kit, and Duke plugged in an amp. And I said, yeah. let's just, I have a click at the start, and I'll turn that off, and let's just do three takes. Mm-hmm. So we played just guitar and drums. It sounded <laughs> terrible. You know, I, we had a couple mics up, <laughs> but I recorded it in the Pro Tools, right. and... Uh, and then I and then I stopped and I looked and go okay what okay I'm starting out at whatever 115, in the verse I slowed down like a little bit a couple mm. BPM in the chorus I sped up all the drum fills are like way faster like yeah you oh, know yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not constrained to a click track so mm-hmm. so then I we, there's some to that so I listened to the take and I wrote down all the sections where this tempo is good here this tempo is good here this tempo is good here and then I went in the next day and I gave it to Billy Bush. <laughs> and he had to re-edit the song <laughs> to the new tempo track. Billy Bush is our engineer, Bush's right-hand man, basically. Yeah, Billy yeah. Billy Bush is awesome, man. He is he's, awesome. Uh, he's, he's like he's like a, a a fifth member of Garbage. He's been with us for so long now. He knows how we think. He knows our DNA. Psychically linked to you. Yeah, yeah. Because at one point, and this is one of your amazing tricks. There's a song playing in the background, and maybe you and I are talking about film scoring or something, you know, all the different culture vulture things that we, many of the things we talked about in the studio. And then you, it was in the background and you were, hold on. And you kind of looked at Billy. So you almost were already hearing something that to me was sort of in the background. And you said, Billy, I want this particular thing. And he went, oh yeah, I already did that. I knew you were going to say Yeah. It's like, oh wow. That's when I could yeah, feel we, the experience we, in the room. Yeah, we do have a, a sixth Big time. sense. Now, we've done so many records with Garbage and also with so many other different people. And that, that's it's cool. It's great to work with someone like that because you don't, you don't have to th- worry about stuff like that. You know, you just sort of get on the same plane in a way. So I felt like everybody in the band, like everybody gelled really quickly on making this record. Uh, uh, you and, and Billy and all of us, it was pretty fast, and it makes it just so... You can make these intense records that have a lot of emotional range, but you don't have to be glum about it. Like, you can work really hard and get really frustrated, but still be having a pretty joyous time doing it. Yeah, I mean, 
God forbid, man. <laughs> Records should be fun to make. <laughs> you know, they should be fun. Can. That's why I keep doing it. When they they're, should be. When, it, when it, making a record becomes a vibe crush, then <laughs> you don't want to do it anymore, man. Yeah, we try um, to always keep that in the front of our mind. You know, you know it's... Like, understand uh, what this is, really. You had met Billy before, though. Mm-hmm. We... Uh, I met you both. We were working on a garbage track for a Record Store Day single. Yeah. And uh, I, I came up with some music here called The Chemicals, mm-hmm. and, and, and we wanted to do a collaboration. Which, and I ran into you at Hugo's. That's right, a taco spot. Yeah. Which we've known each other before. We've known, yeah, we've yeah. met each other before. Because mm-hmm. I, I talked neighbors to you years ago. And friends and in neighbors. Common. And yeah, I knew you when you were first signed to mm-hmm. uh, Danger Bird. Danger Bird, and, and you live in the hood. Mm-hmm. But we never really worked together. And no. then, uh, and so we're getting tacos, and I just blurted out, Hey, Brian, you want to sing in a garbage song? You Tell- go, yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> so awesome. literally a week later, yeah. you were in the studio, yep. and uh, and uh, we we did the song, The Chemicals. Which I just heard on uh, Seattle radio station. We just did an acoustic thing with a station I love called KEXP that have been so sweet and kind to our band forever. And actually, we're involved in getting our band known anywhere because they were playing a song from our EP while we were making our first record on that station, and then that kind of grew from there. Cool. And Cheryl Waters played the chemicals when we were there. Cool, yeah. <laughs> it sounded really good. You know, we were when we played the Shrine here in L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple weeks there. ago, you were there, and we talked about, we should just get Brian and play the chemicals, but we attempted to play it in rehearsal, and yeah. it sounded terrible. We never played it before, and we already... Had so much other material we were doing. No, I don't worry about it. We can't quite get it together, but maybe someday, man. Yeah, I I can pull that one out, I think. But I don't know what I'd do with my hands. I I can't uh, wait to just be... No, you can play guitar too, man. I'd have to. The, so um, just my hands would be floating. The the cool thing about that track is uh, it's it's Brian and Shirley sing a duet all the way through. Yeah. But Brian sings the high part and Shirley sings the low part. (laughs) Because usually the dude sings yeah, the low part and the lady well, people, sings the high part, right? A lot of right? people and, think I sound like a girl, which I love. Yeah, so... That's my favorite. But it's it just your voices sound but great together. no one thinks Shirley sounds like a boy, <laughs> right? Nobody thinks that. No, they don't. I had such a good time making that with you guys, and everybody was there, all of garbage, really. That was the first thing in my brain to think about. Oh, we really... This would be so amazing if Silver Sun could land in here, you know, if this was where our next record would go. And I thought about that the first couple of days we were in the studio, like, yeah, wow, we're actually doing it, you know? Because I knew that I went back to um, the band and I just was saying, yeah, you guys would love this experience. This is really, it was really wonderful. And I, yeah, I'm so glad that that happened. But that reminds me, the Hugo thing reminds me of <laughs> the fact that there was talk about you working on this album. And there was a dialogue, because I said, I think it would be great if Butch could do this record. And management was emailing. And as I was looking at one of these email chains, I realized after a week, Butch doesn't know about this. (laughs) 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 And so I texted Uh, you, do you want to make a record this summer? And you said, yeah, man, it could be fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's it is. I've, I've realized this over the years. It's good to talk to the artist directly. You know? Oh man, that's the only way. So, we do you know, things. I all respect to management yeah. and publishers and labels. You know, if you just go right to the artist, there's a good chance it'll happen. That, you know, <laughs> just come over. So let let me ask you a little bit. Just uh, what? So what are your plans? You guys going on tour this summer, right? You're gearing up for. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of stuff that will be coming up. We'll be sort of in and out popping in and out of like promotion stuff and this and that. And then I think we'll be on and off all year, you know, 
and then we will do a full-blown production thing probably yeah, the beginning of next year. Yeah, yeah, cool. So we'll be pretty much playing from now for number couple of in years. Perpu- in perpetuity. In perpetuity. <laughs> As those things go, yeah. We have to literally go to a party right now. I know, how right cool now. is that? We do a podcast for Talk House, <laughs> know, then we get to go to a Silverson's... I could talk with you forever, Silverson's though. party. This yeah. is nothing. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you. And thank you, Butch Vig and Brian O'Bear. Hope the party was awesome. Why weren't we invited? <laughs> we got to move to LA, man. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, definitely check out our previous show featuring Garbage's Shirley Manson in conversation with Tori Amos. Also, Josh, you mentioned in the beginning, you did a very cool piece with Butch pretty recently. Yeah, there's a written piece called Crushingly Loud Tales from Smart Studios in which Butch talked to me about a bunch of records that he produced, and that was all to do with the Smart Studios documentary that came out a couple of years ago. I actually interviewed him on Pitchfork Radio when that dropped. He is a very thoughtful producer, I have to say. And such a chill dude. It's the Wisconsin. Today's episode is recorded by none other than legendary producer, a.k.a. the Nevermind guy, Butch Vig himself in Los Angeles. Uh, How many points are we giving him on this thing? (laughs) It was co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi, and the TalkHouse theme song was written and performed by The Range. Subscribe to the TalkHouse podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and check us out on any and all social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We got them all. Till next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn. I'm Josh Modell. Peace. And Alt-Rock. Oh, well, whatever. Never mind. (laughs) Everybody, uh, hold on. Oh, is that your pizza? We're going to take an interlude here while Brian noodles for a second. Butch House looks like Hogwarts. Uh, His staircases move. (laughs) All the pictures move.